Well, thank you so much for a very, very warm welcome, and uh, thank you, Garth, for uh, your invitation. And uh, uh, my hosts are also with me here, David and Bikiao. I've known them for 32 years, and we are still friends. <laughs> so that must mean something. And uh, David's also on the uh, AEF Victoria uh, committee, and so is Gil Can, who sends his uh, regards to you uh, as a fellowship. Um, talking about warm fellowship, uh, I was in uh, Myanmar, and uh, they reminded me that uh, I haven't been there for three years. And that reminded me of a story uh, when I was in Singapore, I met some Burmese or Myanmar pastors and uh, I took them out for lunch and at the conclusion of the lunch they said to me uh, Brother Jonathan thank you so much for your hospitality next time you come to Myanmar we will hospitalize you <laughs> and uh, that's why I haven't been to Myanmar for three years rather go to hospital here What an amazing topic uh, and a passage that has been uh, uh, given to us and for us to consider before the Lord. Someone said these words. Someone said life is like a $20 note. You can spend it any way you want, but you can only spend it once. As I read the Bible, I also know that God is a God of second chances. And not just second, but third and fourth and fifth and sixth. He's a God of grace. And even if we waste our lives, He comes to us and gives us an opportunity to do to change our lives and to do what is right. And I believe this morning God is speaking to us and he's speaking to several of us today. Uh, uh, some of us have uh, maybe another 10 years, another 20 years, another 40 years, another 30 years left. We don't know. But if you were given an opportunity to start your life afresh, um, all over again how would you do it what would you do differently and for me the answer is very simple it's been read to us and Sam alluded to it the answer is found in verse 33 of that passage that was read to us but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We are to seek, we are to actively pursue, we are to have a mind determined to go after what God wants us to go after, to, to deliberately choose to do that which is right. There's a story of a little boy who, uh, who 
was playing and the mother knew he was playing because he was making all kinds of sounds and she was working in the kitchen and then it got quiet the boy was not making any sounds so the mother got worried and went looking for him and found that he had his hand stuck in a jar and he couldn't get it out and so the mother was trying to help him get this little hand out of the jar but you know he, he, he had his hands this way uh, clenched you know his, his fists and she said just let go and it'll come out he said no I won't I can't she said yes you can and uh, she found out that he was holding on to two very precious gold coins and as long as he was holding on to that he was trapped and he couldn't get his hands out when God says to us seek first his kingdom that means a deliberate choice that means you have to let go something and choose what is right the verse also says seek ye first and what Jesus is saying is first things first get your priorities right and Jesus says seek ye first the kingdom folks every kingdom has a king every kingdom has subjects under the king and so the starting point of obeying this passage of scripture is to seek the king to seek Jesus the king of kings the Bible tells us that God sent Jesus into the world to die on a cross and the Bible tells us that Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice for our sins not only your sin but my sin and the accumulated sin of the world was placed on him as he died on the cross and God raised him on the third day and he seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven he is the king of kings exalted the Lord of lords and the way to enter into his kingdom or to seek his kingdom is to first acknowledge him and to repent of our sin and to enthrone him as our Lord and so this is what Jesus is saying a meaningful life begins when we make the right decisions when we have the right priorities when we seek first his kingdom God's chain of command must be observed folks if we want blessing in our lives God has told us and given us the name above every other name and that name is Jesus and unless we turn to Jesus and bring our lives under his rulership and his mastership we will not see success and blessing in our lives and daily we must remind ourselves that we are subjects of the king of kings 
and we need to consult him not just about the big things but about everything every little thing seek his kingdom and his righteousness as we submit to Jesus Christ as we submit to the Lord our lives change moment by moment God's character fills us we become permeated with the, with the characteristics of our Lord. We become like the Lord Jesus Christ. We become like the moon that gets its light from the sun. The moon has no light of its own. But it shines on a dark night and gives us light only because it borrows the light from the sun and radiates it to the world and this is what will happen dear folks when we bring our lives under King Jesus his character permeates our lives his love his compassion his sense of justice his mercy his generosity his kindness his peace and his joy and Jesus says in that verse all these things once you do that all these things underline that word underline those words will be added unto you will be given to you as well your need will be met not your greed your necessities will be met not your luxuries it will be provided. And folks, this is a promise of God. This is a promise from the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of us are willing to take this challenge and see if it's correct, see if it's true? Put God first. Seek Jesus and His kingdom and His righteousness. The number one priority is to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And when that is right, everything will fall into place. Your life will make sense. Not only to you, but to others. And so after this important point, this is the literary center of the entire passage. Verse 33. And I believe Jesus was communicating in the Jewish way. It was not a three-point sermon, unfortunately. Uh, in the Jewish uh, mentality he was, he was making one point and then he will il illustrate it he makes another point and he illustrates it and he gives us three practical examples of how we can uh, actively seek his kingdom and in verse 19 to 21 he tells us the first aspect he says make wise investments and then in verses 22 to 23 he says kingdom subjects have a clear focus and in verse 24 he says kingdom subjects do not allow riches to overpower them or to master them seek first the kingdom 
And then he zeroes in on these three things. And so the first one is make wise investments. Subjects in God's kingdom do not run after material possessions. Subjects in God's kingdom uh, are not possessed by possessions. Do you possess your possessions or do your possessions possess you? And it's a key question. The treasure that is referred to here is anything that is highly valued, material things, highly priced, things that you put your energies and your time. But Jesus says material possessions will decay. They will lose their value. They can be stolen. They can vanish overnight. In short, they are transient. They are not of this they are not of eternal value. Instead, God's subjects are actively God's people are actively uh, making eternal deposits and storing treasures in heaven and these treasures are eternally secure there's a pastor who went to a southeast asian country recently and uh, he went to get some local currency at the bank at the atm and uh, he was shocked because uh, the ATM machine showed him that he had $120,000 in his account. When he left Australia, he only had $500. <laughs> and uh, then he realized very quickly that the currency of the country was different. The value was different. He was in one of those countries where it costs thousands of rupees just to buy a loaf of bread and folks there is a lesson in that little story you need to know the currency of the country you are in and uh, let's imagine this let's imagine we are in heaven and God has opened for each one of us the balance sheet of our lives and uh, there are three things. Number one, what we handled on earth, let's say, was three million dollars. What we handled on earth. What we left on earth was three hundred thousand dollars, for argument's sake. And number three, what we are bringing into heaven is zero dollars. Now the first two may change for each one of us. What we handled on earth may be uh, less or more. What we left on earth may be, left, may be less or more. But what we are bringing into heaven will be the same for everyone. Zero. We're not bringing in anything. However, investments made in God's kingdom in the here and now when translated into the heavenly currency 
will be astounding. You will be amazed at the cups of cold water that you gave to God's servants. They have been translated into another currency. Riches in glory. Divine inheritance is awaiting us. Jesus says to us today, Are you making eternal deposits? Are you making eternal investments? Folks, there are only three eternal things. Three eternal realities. Number one, God is eternal. Number two, the word of God is eternal. It tells us that. Number three, people are eternal. They will either spend eternity in hell or in heaven. And so, investments made in these three realities will be eternal investments. Did you know there's a record of all our investments that God is keeping? Revelation 14:13. Right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they rest from their labor for their deeds will follow them. Right. For their deeds will follow them. And so this is the first uh, practical example that Jesus is giving us about kingdom subjects. They make eternal investments. They make the right investments. They don't invest in this world. They invest in the world to come. Secondly, they have a clear focus. And Jesus uses the analogy of the eye in verse 25 on, uh, 22 onwards. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. The eye is uh, the aperture to, the, to, to allow light into the body. And if your eyes are defective, if you have uh, cataracts, then your vision will be defective. Your movement will be defective. Your direction will be defective. Your whole life will be adversely affected. And so God expects His kingdom subjects to have a very clear focus Philippians 4.8 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What are you thinking about? God does not want His subjects to succumb to the lust of the eyes. 1 John 2.16 For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of the eyes and the boasting of what He has done and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. We need to see as God sees. And that only comes when we spend time with Him, when we look into His Word, when we have fellowship with the Lord, 
through prayer. Kingdom subjects make wise investments, eternal investments. Kingdom subjects have a clear focus. Kingdom subjects, number three, do not allow riches to be masters. There's a very special reason why Jesus uses this. He warns us that out of all the potential idols and gods, small g, the most dangerous one is money and materialism. Of all the potential gods that contest for our allegiance, this is the most seductive. It has the ability to possess you. Beware. It is a rival to God. And the king, the kingdom has only one king, one master, one God. When your priorities are right, when you seek God's kingdom in righteousness, when you make wise investments, when we have a clear focus, when we don't allow money to master us, then this passage tells us you are going to lead a blessed life. Verses 25 to 32 talks about this freedom, folks, this freedom, this liberation from the anxiety and from the day-to-day worry of life. And verse 25 is actually a command. Do not worry about your life. Therefore I tell you, very emphatic, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus is not saying don't plan or don't work. He is talking about the fact that we need to put our priorities right. Serving God first and His kingdom and His righteousness. And He will take care of everything else. The word worry is translated to be apprehensive about the future. To imagine some misfortune coming to you. To imagine dangers. To think the worst. Your father knows about these mundane things. What you shall eat, what you shall wear. And Jesus proves to us, it does not make any sense to worry. It does not make any sense because He cares for all of life, not just human life. He gives the illustration of the lilies of the field. He gives the illustration of the birds. He gives the illustration of the grass. He is concerned of all kinds of life. uh, Vegetable life, animal life, insect life. And here is the thing. Worry accomplishes nothing. If at all, it only shortens your life. 
And then worry negates, cancels out the consideration that God is a loving, providing, caring God. Jesus argues from the lesser to the greater. If God takes care of of the lilies of the field, if God takes care of the of the grass, if God takes care of the of the sparrow of the birds, will He not take care of you? Argument from the lesser to the greater. And so, when we are right with God, when we make our priorities right, when we seek God in His kingdom, He will take care of our. Our needs. And we are free. We are liberated. We are free to live knowing that He cares for us. Knowing that every detail of our lives will be taken care of. Let me close with a wonderful illustration of God's care. After the Second World War, all sectors of the government were rebuilt in Europe and one of the important things was the care of orphans there were countless orphans after the war and so emergency camps were started and these orphans were collected from the streets and given the finest education uh, the best food good counsel and training And in many of the camps, the officials notice that even when the best care, the best food, the best training was given to these orphans, many of them stayed awake at nights. Some woke up halfway through their sleep and they had problems sleeping. And so they did some research to find out what was the reason. Why aren't these kids sleeping? Well, they found the answer and they were going to test it. So, for the next few weeks, after all the classroom activity was over, after the bathing of the children, after all the teaching, after the feeding, the children were placed in their beds and the camp parents would place a tiny loaf of bread on the little hands as they went to sleep. And in a matter of days, the children were sleeping better. They were not waking up. Uninterrupted sleep. And so they found the reason. It was the inbuilt anxiety that these kids were going through. Because of their past. Because they are orphans. They were afraid that they would wake up the next morning with no food for the day and dear folks this is exactly what Jesus is saying therefore I tell you do not worry about your life Philippians 4.19 my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus we can go to sleep every night because he has placed a loaf of bread in our hands he is the bread of life he is the one who will take care of us but first things first seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
And all these things will be given to you as well. Let us come to the Lord in prayer. May we take a few moments as God has spoken to us. Perhaps you have not come into the kingdom of God. You do not know the king. And this morning he invites you to take your place in his kingdom if you acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ repent of your own sin and misdeeds you can be a subject of the King of Kings and have eternal life through Jesus Christ what about those of us who are already in the kingdom are we living like his subjects are we seeking guidance from him for all the big issues but also the small issues the issues we think we can handle without him are we making eternal investments Do we have a clear focus? Or are we suffering from distorted spiritual vision? Do our possessions possess us? Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. We will be free from worry, day by day anxiety, because He cares for us. He is committed to take care of all the details. Father, we thank you and praise you that we worship a God who is altogether lovely, altogether true, a God of love, a God of mercy and compassion. We ask, dear Father, that you will challenge us this morning to come into the greatest kingdom that awaits us, to be loyal subjects, to make a choice, to change our allegiance if need be from lesser things Help us to give up our small ambitions and to be ambitious for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. May his character permeate our lives day by day. May others see Jesus in us and may people be hungry and thirsty for the truth as they interface with us each day. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.